And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. Hi, Hustlers. Welcome back to the Startup Hustle. Uh, this is Andrew Morgans, your host. I'm here with John Camp from Rising Sun Commerce. Um, we're really excited about today's conversation. Before we get started, let's give a shout out to our sponsor for today's episode, uh, Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. They are an awesome team to work with, and if you have software needs, uh, they're the place you should start looking. John, welcome to the podcast. I know that you've been a fan of the podcast for a while. I'm excited to have you on. Hi, Andrew. Yeah, no, it's great to be on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, obviously, for any of our listeners, you can tell that John has a little bit of an accent. Um, John's, call, John's calling in today from uh, the UK, and specifically, we're going to be talking a little bit about his background as well as how he's helping sellers on Amazon in regards to Japan. Um, John, give us a little background about yourself before Rising Sun um, and then tell us a little bit about Rising Sun and, and how you guys came to be an Amazon agency that focuses on Japan. Sure, yeah. So um, part of my story is I lived in Japan for five years, uh, which uh, is, you know, that's sort of led partly to us, you know, doing the Amazon Japan specialism kind of thing. So I was over there teaching English, working in junior high schools and high schools and stuff. So fully immersed in Japanese culture, um, you know, teaching classrooms of Japanese kids, sort of the only non-Japanese person at the school, really, in terms of the teaching staff. So, yeah, yeah. it was good. So I, was, um, I lived in a place called Shizuoka for uh, four years, um, which is kind of in, in the countryside, but a, a couple of hours from Tokyo on the bullet train. And, uh, yeah, had a really, really good time there. Uh, moved back to the UK. So I'm from the UK originally. Moved back here um, in 2010. Um, and then I kind of got into e-commerce as I moved back. Um, I set up a, a kind of online marketplace for grocery, the local grocery stores. So um, okay. I, I was listening to the, the Startup Hustle podcast from uh, uh, last month um, where there was the, the guy who ran, ran the dairy and did the um, sort of e-commerce grocery delivery platform kind of thing. Because it was, it was yeah. very similar. It was almost exactly what I was doing kind of thing. Um, but I, I couldn't get my business to work. Uh, I did it for a couple of years or so, but never really made any money at it. Um, and then uh, kind of switched. I carried on in e-commerce, um, helping other grocery people set up. And um, yeah, had some other e-commerce projects as well. And was using a co-working space. That led me to, to meet my business partner, Neil. Um, he'd been running a private label brand on Amazon uh, for a number of years. And uh, he was looking at ways to to grow and other markets to sell in. Mm -hmm. And uh, Amazon had been pushing Japan as a, as a good place to sell. Uh, so we got talking one day, and uh, we decided to kind of set up the business really, and 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 that's kind of how it came about. So initially, we we set up the business just to sell his products on Amazon Japan, um, and then we did that for um, a year or so. Found our feet, got an understanding of how things works. Um, and, you know, Amazon Japan is very similar to Amazon, the rest of the world. There are a few quirks yeah. to it, but, you know, fundamentally it's the same. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of how it got started. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, we've been connected maybe a little under a year and we just wrapped up a project together, which we can get into, um, you know, yeah. a little bit. But for anyone listening out there, um, Amazon Japan being a newer, newer marketplace, would you say that? Um, you know, there's a lot of potential on that platform or it's just getting started or kind of what's the pulse right now? Yeah, so, um, I mean, it, it's very well developed. I think it started in 98 or 99. So, you know, it's been okay. going, it's, it's very well established over there. 
in terms of market size, it's about the same as Amazon UK, uh, like for like. Um, the big e-commerce platform in Japan historically has been Rakuten. Uh, so okay. that was the kind of behemoth um, back in the day when I lived there. Um, but they've kind of been use, losing a bit of market share to Amazon over recent years. Um, uh, and Amazon and Rakuten, they're about, they have about equal market share of sort of early 20s percent, I think, is, is the, the latest data I've seen. So, yeah. Okay. Been- I, know, I know when I was traveling in Germany maybe a couple of years ago, which is, you know, in the EU, a big thing that they, you know, I was just talking to guys in the pubs or, you know, at the hostels uh, I was staying at and kind of just poking their brains a little bit about um, Amazon and, and wondering if they used it, you know, if it was convenient for them. And most people were saying that, you know, they loved Amazon. They, they loved the system or the ability to get things in two days, but they really, um, their main complaint, I guess I heard two or three different times was that it didn't, it had a lot of UK products on Amazon, but it didn't have, um, you know, American products on Amazon. And, and that was really what they were wanting. Would you say that there's a lot of American products on Amazon Japan, or is it kind of a curation of, um, you know, local brands to Japan? Yeah, there's a bit of a cross section. Um, I'd say like for like, I mean, the, yeah, there's, there's probably a, a gap in supply of US brands on Amazon Japan. I think there's more demand, you know, than, than there is available at the moment. So, we're, you know, I mean, our business helps US and UK and sort of EU brands launch there. And yeah, we're seeing demand for, for these products when they do launch. So, I, I love that. I, I know, um, like I'd mentioned before, we just launched a brand um, together. Uh, I've launched, you know, brands on Amazon, Australia, Canada, Mexico, you know, all of the EU. Um, but on this particular project, um, I thought of you and was like, I'm going to use um, Rising Sun Commerce to kind of help this go um, efficiently as we were working on a whole bunch of other things with the brand. And, you know, super, one of the big things that I don't know if a lot of people think about is you're not just putting products up, but you're trying to market them to, you know, the market that you're selling to. So the same terms, the same way that that we go about things in our culture here in the U.S. is not the same um, in every marketplace. And that was one of the big values, you know, that I, you know, kind of latched on to was, you know, using your team for translation, using your team for those little bit of uh, nuances that are different um, compared to the other marketplaces. But been a super big fan of Amazon international expansion for a long time and really excited to have, you know, a brand of mine in Amazon Japan and, and see how things go. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, no, very excited to, to work with you on this. And I, I mean, I think what you say there about the nuances is, is it's kind of, it's often overlooked. I think, you know, we, we've had people come to us and, you know, they've kind of used Google Translate to get their listing set up. And it just doesn't make any sense. You know, it doesn't give any confidence to the, the customers that, you know, this right. is a good product. And then they'll come to us and say, you know, oh, Amazon Japan, it's not it's not working. You know, it's, it's not a very good platform. But, you know, it, you need to get it set up right from, from the off. You, you wouldn't launch... Uh, even, you know, in the, in the US or the UK, you wouldn't launch with nonsensical words in your listing. Uh, you know, you wouldn't expect to generate sales from that. So, yeah, that, that's kind of a bit of a frustration when people say that it, it, it's not, you know, it's not working when it's, it's, they've not, you know, you still need to do it right, I guess. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I've noticed that as someone that launched in the EU at first in English and using, you know, even Amazon's ability to translate the page as you're shopping, um, just getting incredibly better results when we translate to Dutch or Italian or French, um, you know, instead of just translating English over, it was, it was definitely something where we launched in English. And then, um, you know, as we got a little bit established there, we invested again in our graphics or our copy or our advertising terms and had native speakers go through our our copy and our ads and, and tell us ways that we can improve or words we should, um, 
you know, double down on or, or even remove from our copy. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's it's really important to do it properly. Yeah, well, what are what are some of the, um, you know, challenges to to getting a business off the ground on Japan, just from a high level? Um, for anyone listening that's looking to expand to, you know, international markets, what would be kind of, you know, your selling points other than, you know, why would they come to Japan? What do they need to be aware of in regards to launching there? Yeah, I mean, the first, the obvious one is, is the demand for your type of product there. So, uh, you know, we right. we develop these little market research reports where we kind of do a little investigation to see what demand is like, see what competition is like for a particular product. Um, you know, so, so one example, you know, if you're selling a rice cooker, for example, you know, if you're going to sell that in the US, then it, you know, it might be a, a good product to sell. There might not be too much competition. But if you take that product to Japan, then it's, you know, it's a whole different market kind of thing. You know, competition is going to be much stiffer. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's kind of an extreme example. Fundamentally, I always say if, if a product is selling well in the US or on Amazon generally in the U, EU, then the chances are it will sell well in Japan. You know, you've Amazon is a, is a, a thing in itself that people need right. to know and understand. And the the people that we work with, they already know and understand Amazon. And so, like, Japan is an extra string to that bow, if you like. Um, where we struggle is when when somebody thinks. Uh, their product is a really good fit for Japan, but they've never sold on Amazon before, then we always encourage them to actually learn the ropes of selling on Amazon first and then add Amazon Japan to to that. No, I like that. And I mean, I guess one thing I would say is that, you know, I've been doing this, um, you know, over eight years and there's been multiple times where I've come across brands or products that aren't even on Amazon yet, amazon.com. Um, you know, where let's say it's high end neckties or high end men's suspenders or, um, you know, higher price items that there just hasn't been demand for yet. Um, and in some of those cases, you know, there's not something to go off of to say, Hey, th this competitor is doing this, or this is already working. And sometimes you're just the first to market there. But I think that, you know, as the world gets more, um, you know, it becomes more global in regards to people living everywhere, uh, you know, people getting exposed to more things uh, more often Then you know, there's e even when there's not something there to prove that the product can be a success. Um, you know, I think that there's something something to be said about being the first to market in regards to some of those things. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, when when we do market research products and it and we can't find any competitors, it's like well, it's not necessarily a sign that it's a bad thing to to launch. It's just slightly higher risk, but you know it could really take off and it could be a fantastic place to sell your product if if competition is low. Of course, do you guys do you guys sell or do you help brands on um, other marketplaces outside of Japan or do you just try to keep it? you know, really siloed to, to focusing on Amazon Japan? Just Japan, really. We help a couple of local businesses with their UK accounts, but, um, but yeah, yeah, primarily it's 95% of the stuff we do is Amazon Japan. Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely, I help brands in, in other marketplaces, but it's always been a, a learning experience whenever we take on that country, you know, for the first time. And, um, you know, I know Amazon's continue. I, I believe that Amazon has gone from, um, you know, first they were vendor central and it was, you know, getting brands wholesale. Um, then it was, you know, just getting the American public to understand getting items in two days and building trust. Then, then Amazon's gone through a phase of trying to get more profitable and pushing brands to figure out how to be profitable on their own, which is, you know, kind of where Seller Central comes in and they're saying, hey, we don't want to ship this $1.50 toothpaste anymore. Um, you know, you figure out how to do it, whether it's a three pack or, or something like that. Um, and then, you know, as they've gotten the U.S. more profitable, I feel like they're, they're pushing their efforts to, to spend um, in the international markets, you know, and they're pushing really hard for Amazon Japan or they're pushing really hard for, 
um, you know, the Netherlands or the Middle East. I know that I have one brand in particular that's getting, um, you know, free help to launch in the EU from Amazon at a high level, um, just because they want, they're wanting American brands to kind of take that leap to, um, to expand. And, and I love to see that because I know that, um, you know, if I could have got on amazon.com in the first year or second year, like some of these new marketplaces, um, you know, there'd be no looking back as far as getting established on that platform and being a strong brand there. No, exactly. And I think from a business point of view as well, you know, um, it makes sense to sell in lots of different places. You're sort of diversifying the risk, aren't you? So if something happens to the, you know, your US account, then you've, you've not got all your eggs in that basket. So selling on multiple marketplaces, I think, is a is a good thing to do. Yeah, totally. We, um, you know, been part of some discussions with Amazon in regards to international expansion and what can be better. Um, you know, they've, they've started at adding the global ASIN, which is like for anyone listening, that's just one catalog identifier that is in the U S but can be in the other marketplaces as well and share reviews and things like that. And, um, in the U S they have the ability to have unified inventory from amazon.com to Amazon, uh, Mexico, Amazon, Canada. And essentially you have, you know, one single source of truth in regards to your inventory and Amazon's sharing that across the other marketplaces. And, you know, I like to think that amazon.com is kind of a precursor for what comes after that, you know, um, like the EU where you send product to the UK and then it gets distributed from Germany, France, Spain, Italy, Netherlands. Um, you know, I wonder what's coming down the road in regards to, you know, Amazon Asia, Amazon, yeah. Japan, Amazon, Singapore, yeah. And maybe they're going to make it where we can, you know, you can send an inventory to one spot and kind of expand. I think, I think they are. Um, I think it's a few years off yet, but we, we're seeing signs that your Australian accounts and Singapore accounts and Japan accounts are kind of connected. Uh, they seem okay. to be sort of under the same umbrella, but they're still separate at the moment. But I think, I think they might, um, you know, bring in that that similar similar way of shipping products to different countries within Asia, um, as you mentioned. That the you know the same way they do in the EU and stuff. Because as a seller, that makes your life so much easier. And the more products that they get on the platform, you know, that creates demand from customers, and the flywheel, you know, moves faster, doesn't it? So I'm I'm sure that they're gonna try and replicate that over the coming years. In Asia yeah, too. no, no I, anything they can do to make it easier. You know, I know that Amazon's focus is not about making it easier for the sellers by any means. You know, that's never really been their goal. Um, you know, it's always been um, how can we create the best product for the customer and the sellers have just kind of fa fallen in line. But, you know, it seems like the sellers are getting a little bit of attention in regards to making it easier for us to expand and um, you know, Japan being one of the ones that I get a lot of emails about um, from our brands, you know, saying, hey, like, you know, you're eligible to, to expand to Japan. Are you interested? Um, and for me, I just get more excited about, you know, people talk about Amazon being a giant, this massive giant, this massive conglomerate company. And it is. Don't get me wrong. Um, but in the day to day of what we do. You know, a big part of what we do is take local brands or smaller brands and get them national or international exposure um, that they couldn't have on any other platform but Amazon. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's 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 good to see. And I think, um, what, what do you see in terms of U.S. brands? Are they looking to sell overseas a lot more? Uh, I guess when, when I first started doing, you know, sales and outreach for, for for the Amazon Japan business, one of the questions, big questions I had in my head was, are US brands going to be interested in selling in Japan and Europe and stuff? Because the US is such a big market and um, I guess so easy for them, you know, if you, once you get to know it, it's such a big market that is it worth the hassle of selling in other places too? But as time's gone on, you know, we're working with more and more US brands Um and it seems that there is quite a lot of interest in U.S. brands, you know, expanding overseas. Do you, do you see that too, or is there a bit of resistance to to expanding globally? Well, you know, I think that 
there's been a ton of resistance to Amazon in general. And the amount of time I've been doing this, you know, just brands resistant to change and, you know, COVID among other things has kind of sped up, um, you know, people's mindset to, to wanting to do e-commerce a little bit better. Um, and as honestly competitors, like, you know, I, I wouldn't say that Marknology and rising sun commerce is a competitor, but we do the same thing. Right. Um, and as, as companies have, have risen and grown, um, around the space that we're working in for me it's honestly been better more brands are getting hit up by more companies wanting to do e-commerce wanting to do amazon wanting to expand wanting to grow um and so not being the only one out there it feels like you know urging brands to make that leap i think that if a brand gets in deep on amazon.com and really sees success there then all of a sudden they're like where else can we go and I would say that first they're thinking about, you know, Walmart or eBay. they bring up Walmart a lot. They bring up eBay, um, you know, and, and that's when I urge them, hey, let's let's expand. Now, I'm not typically going from Amazon.com to Amazon Japan as the first marketplace for us, mm. you know, so it's kind yeah. of like you ease them into it. So first it's, you know, Amazon.com and then Amazon Canada. Um, and then probably from there is Amazon UK. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, at least that's been the progression for me. Um, so, you know, even expanding between like, even if I have a relationship with a brand, we might need to be with them two to three years to help them transition from maybe one, it's getting amazon.com, you know, running well, and then it's an expansion year to Canada or Australia. Um, you know, then you go to the, uh, the countries that need translation and all of that. I think the translation piece does hold people back. Um, you know, that's why going to Canada, the UK or Australia seems a little bit easier. Um, just as a country that doesn't have, you know, a lot of bilingual, um, you know, brands, you know, I wouldn't say. And, and so that's typically the conversation. So if, if the answer was short, you know, I would say, yes, I think brands are open to expanding internationally. I just don't think that Japan's first on the list. No, no, not at all. <laughs> it, yeah, one of the things that I t I talk about is it's Japan seems really intimidating because the language is a bit kind of crazy. You know, it's not it's not written in the Roman alphabet, but right, uh, it, it's just words on a page. You know, if you don't understand German or Spanish, then uh, you know, again, it's you're similarly in the dark as you as you are for Japanese. So no, and it, and it is to anyone listening. Like I, I mentioned it before, but translating the listings, getting that done. Um, it's really not that hard. You know, you just have to find the right source, but it really makes a huge difference in how your brand is perceived on those platforms. If you're speaking to them in, you know, let's say broken English or proper English, I think the biggest equivalent or the biggest comparison would be, you know, Chinese sellers on the amazon.com platform. And when you're reading graphics or reading the product description, being able to tell that, you know, it's not an American native um, mm. that's selling the product and make sure you get kind of the sales copy um, correct. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, um, I got a couple of questions for you I'd like to get into just to dig a little bit, you know, deeper. Um, you know, what is something that you had to overcome early um, with Rising Sun Commerce? I was, re I was on your website um, for anybody asking, um, it is rising sun commerce, um, that we're talking about. And if you want to look them up, you can kind of see a little bit more of, um, John's story, but what are some of the things that you guys had to overcome? I know it was kind of, it seems like it was a natural fit when you guys started doing it. Um, but have you run, ran into any challenges? I mean, I know I have my bag full of stories when it comes to challenges on amazon.com but what are some of the things have you ever got stuck with a brand you're trying to launch and never got them launched um no i don't think so we've launched everybody that we've worked with i think in fact well <laughs> looking back the first in fact the first when we first started a, a brand came to us they they sell like children's cutlery um and there's quite a lot of compliance around cutlery and uh, children's products generally. Um, and we'd kind of both left it up to each other to do the, the compliance investigation. And we were just getting started then. And we, we, we nearly sent off a load of products to Japan 
uh, or they nearly sent off a load of products without the proper compliance work being done. Um, and in which case it would have been returned from customs and, you know, they'd have spent a load of money on shipping a load of products and it would have right. all gone down the drain. So that, that was, that was nearly a, a big, I mean, it was a mistake in that we'd, we'd got everything prepped and ready to go, but we, we, uh, we had a bit of a panic, you know, the, the day before it was due and uh, managed to flush this out. But uh, yeah, it was very close to, to putting loads of money down the drain. Um, but I've seen, but brand other, other companies have come to, to, to us where they have actually sent inventory to Japan without doing the proper compliance work. And it's, you know, it's been returned. And if you, if you've sent it and you don't do the right paperwork, then, you know, it, it, it's a big problem for people. So it's definitely worth doing in advance. I mean, again, when we first started, we were working with, you know, micro brands, you know, very small companies with sort of one or two, three products. Um, mm -hmm. And as, as time's gone on, uh, we've, we've kind of improved ourselves. You know, we've got a lot more experience of working with brands in different categories. Um, and we've, you know, we, we, we're growing and we're working with, you know, bigger, bigger brands and bigger products, bigger companies generally. So, you know, I guess we've grown in confidence is I suppose what I'm trying to say since we first started. Now it's, it's not necessarily a mistake, but you know, when you're first starting off, it's, you, you know, there's so many things that you don't know about. So as time's gone on, yeah, we've we've grown in experience and uh, making good progress. Do you guys do you guys typically get brands that have tried to do it on their own and then kind of you know run into roadblocks, or would you say you're getting brands like, you know, from the start, um, you know, reaching out to get help to to get on the platform? Yeah, about 90% of the stuff we do is we launch in partnership with the brand. So, you know, we, we've got that relationship before they've sent any inventory to Japan. Um, we've worked with uh, three or four brands where they've they've sent product to Japan off their own back. And they've come to us being in a situation where they've got problems and they're not making sales and they've got inventory in the warehouse in Japan that's not selling. Um, and in you know in those cases we've we've stepped in to help them um, improve their their product listings and their advertising and you know do a a big optimization job. Um, yeah, totally. Um, well, I want to talk about something just a little bit, a um, little bit of a side note. Um, something I've been working with brands on, specifically brands on Shopify, but the platform doesn't really matter. But using um, Amazon's multi-channel fulfillment process, which is where you're using, you know, products in FBA to then ship out customer orders on the website. Um, you know, someone buys on the website and it's coming from Amazon's warehouse to them. It's called multi-channel fulfillment. Are you familiar yeah. with, with that process? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So I've been using that kind of to, you know, encourage brands that they can essentially tap into a new market. Um, you know, by launching, let's say to amazon.au, typically shipping to a customer is not cost effective at all to ship from the US to, you know, a customer buying in the AU. But if you have product in Amazon's warehouse center, you can essentially, you know, use that product that's there at a pretty affordable rate to then make the, the items way more affordable um, to customers. And exactly. Yeah. That, that's that's a, a huge advantage in my opinion um, you know being able to test a market like that and and see how it's going to work for you before you make the full leap into you know onboarding a, a 3pl there or you know setting up a second office or things like that in those countries have, have you set anybody up on multi-channel fulfillment yet in in Japan um no all um so we we've come we've had conversations with a swedish sort of clothing brand who, who they sell really nice sort of raincoats and outerwear um now amazon as a platform is probably not the right place for them to sell their products but it would have been a really good uh a good place to do the fulfillment from for you know as, as you're sort of describing there through Shopify, so running social media ads to their to their listings. Right. Um, it didn't. I mean, it, it's not gone anywhere yet. But I mean, I think it's it's a good idea. Uh, 
Rakuten, as I mentioned before, is the other big e-commerce marketplace in Japan. And they don't have the same fulfillment network that Amazon have. They don't have their own warehouses and stuff like that. And they they actually recommend using Amazon's uh, warehouses and FBA system to fulfill orders as well. So, um, so yeah, that's a, an option when brands are launching okay. there. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Do they have yeah. a way for Rakuten to uh, integrate with Amazon's multi-channel fulfillment? Uh, so I think the APIs are open, but um, okay. you know, there's no, there's no sort of direct relationship, if you like. But the the API is open, so you can you can do that data transfer to get make sure that the products are shipped at the right times. Well, we'll have to come up with. Um, a brand that's trying to launch on on Japan that will allow us to try that, so we can get that uh, under both of our belts in regards to, you know, seeing if multi-channel fulfillment in in the country can work. You know, with the marketplaces being new, um, off Amazon advertising or marketing like websites, social media, those kinds of things is a great way to build momentum. Um, you know, on new listings and really get kind of extra traffic. I know on Amazon Australia. And I know you said Amazon Japan's been there since, um, I think you said the, the late nineties. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. That's quite a while. You know, Amazon Australia is only a couple years old, but advertising in Amazon Australia, uh, there's not a lot of traffic yet. You know, um, we're mm-hmm. getting sales, uh, but you know, I was running ads for almost a month with one of my first brands and, and barely getting any spend at all. Even if I was bidding five, $10 a click, uh, it was kind of crazy. Right. So, you know, but, but being there early, being able to control kind of off Amazon efforts and get more traffic to the new marketplace is essential for kind of getting your foot planted in that marketplace and make, make sure your listings getting sales, even if Amazon itself is not, um, you know, driving those ads, so to speak. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's much easier to to kind of get to the the top of the charts, the top of the when top of the sales rankings when there's not much competition, and it's easier to get there, you know, at that moment in time than it is when the, there's a lot more competition there. But um, but yeah, it's, I guess having that that balance really isn't it? of uh, you know you don't you you don't want to be launching when there's nothing there. But if you can right. kind of find that find that happy medium where you know you're getting some sales, and then as the the kind of wave of growth of Amazon you know grows, and you can ride that wave in in tandem with them, then I think that's 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 the the, the ideal situation. As someone you know that's done e-commerce in the UK and also in Japan now, and do quite a bit of it in Japan. Um, is there a lot of difference in buyer behavior between, you know, uh, Europe and, and, and Japan in regards to, you know, just how you sell things like, um, or is it pretty much, you know, uh, the same across the board? Um, so a couple of things stand out really. One is, um, that Japanese people, there seems to be a lot more attention to detail required. So, um, you know they like to see the the fine details of a of a product's kind of features really and they like okay. you know they they often ask you know very detailed questions about you know about a product uh which i think you know maybe europeans are a bit easier going <laughs> yeah. uh, and and i think that's the same in the us too um so yeah i mean that that's sort of one so we we do kind of we're, you know, we're aware of that when we're setting up the product listings and making sure we try and give as much detailed information as possible. Uh, another another thing which kind of goes against that is that we see fewer returns um, in Japan than we do, you know, like for like on other marketplaces, really. So, um, you know, I think Germany has a has particularly bad reputation for for seeing high return rates um and you know we yeah in japan it's it's much much lower than 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 yeah what we see on the uk well maybe that maybe it's not opposite that and maybe because there's more detail um and they ask more questions you know they're making a more informed decision when they buy and and therefore need to return it less 
know? yeah 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 no that, i mean that, that's a good point it could be tied together i know that um you know in the u.s side whenever we have a retailer or a brand that's dealing with return issues um you know a lot of times i'm i'm looking at the copy or the images and i'm saying hey are we being too salesy um and instead need to be more educational or more informative um because we're convincing people to buy which is fantastic but i think we're convincing people to buy that aren't exactly sure what the item is or, or what it does or at least don't have enough information that whenever they get it they're you know unhappy with the item or it doesn't fit or it's not what they thought so you Typically, when I'm seeing a lot of returns, it's let's get more detailed with what we're selling and a little bit less salesy. Yeah, yeah. And Japan definitely is more appropriate for that. It's more detail orientated. And when we in in some situations, when we've, uh, you know, used U.S. listings as a base and sort of translated some of them, uh, there are phrases, you know, around. um, uh, So like guarantees and things like that you're not allowed to make guarantees uh if if we've got one product that's been uh, it's had a lot of testing done to to show that it's kind of uh unbreakable when it's dropped from a particular height and all the listings in the UK and US uh you know set up with this copy explaining this and then we've tried to put the equivalent copy in the Japanese listings um, and it's been it's been halted. It's been flagged, and they want to see the the testing from the labs to to prove that the claims that we're making are accurate and true before they'll allow us to put the copy in. And the brand have said they've never seen uh, they've never seen that situation before in the other marketplaces that they sell, and they sell all over the world. So you know they 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 are quite strict in Japan for for the rules and regulations um so yeah it's important to be be aware of those yeah and have your if you're going to claim something have your paperwork in order yeah 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 yeah. but i mean that benefits the the consumer at the end of the day because they you know they the platform becomes more trustable doesn't it because people are only making claims that are valid yeah um do you guys help brands with you know, websites are off Amazon marketing in Japan, or do you guys, you know, stay real niche with, with just Amazon? Pretty much just Amazon. We, we, we've done some influencer outreach um, to, to, to tie in with, you know, product launches on Amazon. So that that's kind of as far as we've gone, really. Uh, we've not done any sort of social media advertising or anything like that. Um it might as, as as we grow the business you know we're still relatively young we've only been going a couple of years as an agency um you know there are a, a few different options for bolting on other areas to our business what one is to help brands sell on Rakuten. one is to you know do more uh, other general media advertising um so you know that there might be one for the future but yeah it's not something that we do as yet no, and 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 rightfully so. I mean, uh, Marknology's been an agency for going on six years, and um, you know we've started uh, pushing more social content and um, web development for brands. But that hasn't been up, you know, probably the last couple of years. And and a big part of that was just being unable to find a partner that understood the nuances of Amazon and was willing to, you know, maybe do things a little bit differently in order to get better results out of their entire, you know, e-commerce ecosystem. So, you know, that's why Marknology moved into that space was just knowing that these levers mattered and that we could pull them um, and would ultimately make the brands that we're managing on Amazon more effective um, by being able to kind of tie in Amazon and social and, and you know, website, e-commerce um, together. So just yeah, curiosity, listening, you know, what you guys are doing, what you guys have seen successful. I wanted to talk about just switching gears a little bit. I wanted to talk about um, the brand that we just launched together. Um, yeah. and it took a, we kind of, it took us a, a, a bit, we're, we're selling now, you know, we're up, we're launched, uh, but it took us a little bit to get started um you know i think it was even things outside of your control directly in regards to kind of being stuck in a loop um 
with the brand. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, they they uh, they, they had real trouble setting their account up, didn't they? And they got stuck in a loop, not been able to yeah even create their Japanese Amazon account, um, which was is something that I've not seen on any other of our client accounts. Uh, so it was yeah a bit unfortunate um that it took so long but we we got there in the end um and yeah it's good to see them 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 go in and making sales yeah i just like i like talking about you know um the pitfalls and like some some of the failures you know so to speak honestly like if anyone anyone's listening in regards to um you know to that thought it, it's if you if you're persistent enough on the amazon marketplace like you you can get the result. You can push through it. Um, sometimes it's just something you haven't ever seen before. And in this particular case, um, you know, the brand owner has to officially set up the account, you know, and a, a consultant can't from the outside. It's not, it's not ideal. So what happened was, um, you know, they were adding a new account, Amazon Japan and setting it up and somewhere along the way, um, you know, it was registered that we were officially signed up, but you could never get access. And so it actually mm. took, um, you know, tracking down a couple of reps at Amazon, um, getting them to look into the issue at a high level, understanding that it was a glitch, you know, so to speak, it wasn't user error. It was ab absolutely yeah. an Amazon glitch um, that was holding us up. But, you know, persistence has paid off and um, we got them to essentially remove that account that was kind of like in limbo and officially get it launched and and here we are um it was a little bit of a night a nightmare in regards to just not being able to do anything ourselves as consultants and really needed amazon to step in and and help push it yeah through. yeah yeah and seller support don't have a particularly good reputation for being helpful but we we got there in the end and i think the guys that we were working with on the account you know they Again, it perseverance, wasn't it? It, pay, it paid off, um, and yeah, I think I think on that account as well, selling sending the products, there was there was a, a few hiccups to do with logistics, weren't they? About what regulation documents were required, and uh, they were they were getting different answers from different shipping companies, weren't they? About the the regulation and and stuff, and again, they they kind of had to persevere through that, really. Yep, and. But once once you get launched, I think, you know, I think the launch is the most complicated just because, um, you know, new country importing, exporting, um, you know, a couple of big things. But once you're through that, um, you know, it's very similar to selling on on any of the Amazon platforms um, as far as the nuances of the day to day. Yeah, I think. um a lot of, yeah some people see things as you know they want instant success and instant you know sales and profit but it's much more longer term than that i think you know your first batch of products you you know if you break even then that's that's a good thing but it's on you know it's in 12 months time you need to look back and work out how you're doing so the investment of persevering with these these you know problems or yeah issues it, it's it's going to be worth it in the long run for sure patience 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 mm. you know yeah. uh, let's, talk, let's talk about rising sun to anyone out there listening that has an agency or trying to uh, trying to start an agency or thinking about creating an agency um you said that you and your partner met you know at a co-working space um you were in the e-commerce space he was in private label and was just selling and you know, kind of light bulb went off and you're like, Hey, let's, you know, let's take a leap into Amazon Japan and you hit the ground running. Um, how have you continued to sell, you know, your services? I know that, you know, me and you met, I think through, um, a mutual acquaintance. Do you remember who it was? I can't, I can't remember. I thought, I thought we'd met on LinkedIn. Did we? Okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was LinkedIn. If it is like, kudos to you and kudos to me for, you know, being on LinkedIn and using it as a channel. I, I was thinking maybe a, another consultant connected us. Um, uh -huh. You know, I'm in this like small circle of Amazon consultants and we all just kind of share ideas, share learnings and um, more of an abundance mindset kind of mastermind of yeah. 
yeah. people that are honestly competitors, but we, you know, we just share, um, ideas and referrals like this one, which is a perfect fit. But, um, you know, how do you, how do you guys get business for your agency? How do you continue to find new brands, um, and convince them to sell on Japan? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, 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 t- I'll take you through, you know, this, this podcast is aimed at entrepreneurs, right? Generally. So I'll sort of talk a bit more generally about yeah. the stages yeah. we've gone through really. So, when we first started, it was very much all about cold outreach. So finding products that we thought were suitable uh, to sell in Japan. So we'd look on Amazon UK, find a product that we thought was a good fit to sell in Japan, um, mm-hmm. and then dig in, find the, the the owner of the product, find the right person responsible. Um, if it was a small company, then, you know, the, the owner, if it was a bigger company, then maybe the e-commerce manager or marketplace manager and yeah, just directly email them and, and pitch our services basically. So that, that was sort of one method. And it, you know, it's, it's, we got there in the end, but it's not a, it's not a exciting way to, to get sales. I think, you know, it's quite a manual process. Um, but it, you know, as we were starting off the business, it was quite exciting to to send these messages and get positive responses from people. Uh, I've also used LinkedIn quite a lot. Again, te- teaming up with people like you, you know, we do we do work with a few other agencies as well, where they they'll refer as clients that um, that they want to help these brands launch. Uh, so you know that that's another another way. Uh, and then as time's gone on, we've got a fair bit of content on the website. You know, uh, we've got a good article that how to sell on Amazon Japan. I think it ranks quite highly in Google now. Uh, so, you know, anybody who's looking to to sell on Amazon Japan in English, you know, they they should find that article. Uh, we do some Google AdWords stuff as well. Uh, so yeah, that's sort of the four, the four main, the main areas really that's generated business for us. Do you do any kind of, uh, at least like pre COVID and, and, you know, my methods are not much different than your own in regards to getting leads. I know I have several Amazon, you know, like junior Amazon consultants that sometimes I'll send some of those like startup brands to, or, you know, they're always trying to get clients and, um, you know, I like to share kind of just like, Hey, what it takes. And I think that, uh, it doesn't have to be glamorous, you know, it's, it's work, but, um, understanding the hard way makes it so much more enjoyable when you figure out the easy way, you know, yeah. uh, yeah. but do you guys do speak? I know that there's like quite a bit of Amazon conferences and things like that in the UK. Do you guys do trade shows or anything like that? Or you pretty much do, you know, kind of digital outreach? Not really. Yeah. It's primarily been digital. Um, we I go to the odd conference, but it's more as a punter rather than you know as a as a as an attendee rather than for business generation. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, as, as a punter, did you say as a punter? As a punter, yeah. As a. <laughs> I think that's a UK term. I don't I don't know if I know what that means. Okay, so it means like as a as an attendee, as a customer, basically, a rather than. Okay. Yeah, as a participant, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. I might use that, and they're gonna. <laughs> I'm talking about American football, and then they're gonna get depressed because we don't have football right now, or yeah. you know, the hope of it with COVID going on. So, um, well, no, on on that, the you mentioned the word suspenders before, which has a, a completely different meaning in British English than it does American English. I didn't, I didn't pick you up on it on the time, but yeah. <laughs> What what are is it is it a derogatory term or what is suspenders in UK English? No, so suspenders as you know them, we call them braces. Okay. Uh, and suspenders in British English is uh the devices that ladies would use to hold their stockings up onto their suspender belts. <laughs> Got it. Okay, so see guys, this is a prime example of why you need you know, a local expert to be translating your listings and making sure you're using, you know, cultural appropriate terms, um, you know, when you're, try- when you're trying to sell. I think that's hilarious. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was talking about men's like formal, you know, dress wear, like under the... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great. 
braces we say <laughs> yeah that was a that's a fun one i always it always comes to mind because you know they were 90 dollars so formal um suspenders for men and, and on amazon there's just like the, you know the 1999 or 999 and um uh -huh. you know not knowing if there was a market for you know suspenders that were almost four times what was already on amazon and we really just had to take the leap because there wasn't a competitor market that we could analyze and be like okay there's a market here let's let's make the leap and um we did and we we saw six figures in sales our first 12 months on the platform um and it gave me a lot of confidence for taking other brands to amazon for the first time when there wasn't someone there before yeah yeah no that's fantastic i mean yeah i'd i'd like to do something similar like that with with japan you know when when we do these re market research reports and it comes back in that situation where we can't find any similar equivalent sellers then a lot of the people that we speak to kind of get nervous and say oh well it's not really a market then let's let let's leave it alone kind of thing whereas i again it, it, every product is unique and different and it's got its own you know unique circumstances but in that situation i think give it a go and then you know it, what what's the because you can do it in a in a low risk way you you know you 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 send a few items and and you know you're not risking lots of stock and uh yeah all right no um i think that you know you think about you were you said you were in japan kind of like several hours outside of tokyo in a rural area um, and there's a lot of rural areas in the U S you know, and with not a lot of shipping around and, um, you know, they still have weddings to go to, they still mm -hmm. have things exactly. to do, you know, and, um, you know, not everyone that's in a rural area doesn't care about fashion or whatever the case might be in that example. Um, yeah. you know, so Amazon is a great way for, to reach those buyers that, that don't have access to regular shopping centers and things like that, but that still want to enjoy, you know, the finer things in life, so to speak. And I think that with COVID, um, you know, not to, not to tie this episode to any specific time of life, but right now with, you know, people wanting to avoid social interaction, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's changing buying behaviors and changing buying patterns in regards to what they used to buy before now they're they're open to buying online exactly yeah well let's 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 end this with a little bit about john you know i'd like to ask you just some personal questions maybe that aren't amazon japan related um okay. you know are e-commerce e related you know you're an entrepreneur you tried a business that didn't work um or that wasn't working you know well enough and um but learned something, something that had you in the right spot, at the right time to meet your partner. Um, you know, so when you're not, when you're not working on, you know, Amazon brands, what are, what are the, some of the things you like to do? Um, you know, let's, let's start with some hobbies. Give me some, some info about John outside of, outside of e-commerce. Yes. I play uh, football, soccer, uh, a few times a week. Well, I used to before COVID <laughs> struck. Uh, so yeah. pumping at the bit to get back to that again. Uh, I do a fair bit of running. I've done quite a lot of cross country running and half marathons and stuff. Um, and then yeah, I've got two young daughters which keep me entertained. Uh, so yeah, that's good. Travel as well. You know, I get get over to Japan once a year or so at least. Um, so. That's it, and then uh, I've just bought a camper van as well, so that'll that'll keep us entertained this summer. All being well, <laughs> awesome. Are you are you on Instagram? I might have to follow your journeys. I'm not. No, uh, no. Twitter's as far as I get on social media. Okay, okay. okay. Um, you know, I see those camper vans all the time on Instagram. They turn them into those like you know mini homes. Um, yeah, you know, really trendy here in the U.S. Yeah, so I'm I'm going to experiment with using it as a workspace because uh, since since COVID hit, basically we're we're being discouraged to work in social spaces. So I'm going to take the camper van out on the road locally and uh, use it as a workspace. So yeah, I'm quite excited about that. Should be should be good. Park on a nice hill with a nice view and get some inspiration from from the clouds. Man, you, you would have a killer Instagram account showing some of those pictures <laughs> off. 
is uh you know i'm actually very like active um you know with athletics as well and you know personal fitness and i think that the more time i spend on the computer the more time i want away from it you know and um but understanding that you know it's it's crazy because people see me doing digital stuff all the time you know as far as like developing things or or this business or but i i really love the outdoors and i think that that's where I find the balance is, um, you know, having a career that, you know, you're supporting yourself with, with a computer. Um, but having to find something outside of that to actually relax and, um, you know, find some balance. Exactly. No, I love just getting out there, going for a run. I don't take any headphones with me or anything. You know, I don't listen to podcasts or music. I just get out there, you know, just me and my running shoes and and that's it really. It's kind of, good time to think and uh, switch off well as an entrepreneur as a dad um you know as an amazon consultant what is um you know what is your superpower what what allows you to pick yourself back up you know um you know after a failure or, or what is something that you think has made you um you know, successful. Uh, I know that's a big word, but what what is something that has made you successful in regards to to being an entrepreneur and continue to try new things until you found something that worked? I think probably being fairly grounded. So when when something doesn't go wrong, I try not to get too down about it. But then if something is going right again, you know, I don't get too excited too as well. Excited <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes hard not to. Like you, you got it in the moment, but uh, you know, I, yeah, I don't get too carried away. I think, um, which I think is a flaw as well. You know, it's, it's sometimes it's good to celebrate your wins a bit more, and I'm probably not as good at that. But you know, that comes, as I say, with the with the pro that when things go don't go well, I don't again, I don't get too down about it. And we're always learning, right? <laughs> right, right. And when you're an entrepreneur, like you really do learn that, you know, failure is your ticket. Failure is your self-education in regards to learning what to do right the next time. Um, and when you start feeling like that, you just, you know, you just see failure as another, you know, learning experience, um, you know, on the way to success. Yeah, I don't go looking for failure, but if it does come <laughs> along... I'll I'll not get too down about it. <laughs> I think I just assume it's coming. So, you know, it's 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 a percentages game. And so I wouldn't say it's looking for it, but just knowing it's coming when it does come, yeah. you know, try not to be too too blindsided by it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. All right. I wanna I wanna end with one question here. If you were trapped on an island and could only listen to one album, what would it be? You're from the UK, you're a little bit, you know, we're getting a different culture than you know probably a lot of the guests that have been on the show before you know a lot of kansas city guests like uh -huh. um i'm i'm not going to say there's a wrong answer here but there is I, I need you to give me something um you know that the american crowd here needs to tune into okay well i'm i'm, I'm gonna go from your side of the pond i'm gonna say arcade fire funeral okay okay that's a good choice i like it <laughs> uh yeah I listen to a few uk brands uh bands not brands a few uk bands myself um and and love like the 1975 is is one that uh, uh, yeah, I've yeah. Seen probably four or five times and absolutely yeah i love their vibe they're they're a lot of fun i've seen i i went you said travel was one of your hobbies i went and saw them in um bogota colombia last year oh right wow um they, they were absolutely amazing. No one there even speaks English, and that yet yeah, we there was you know twenty thousand people or so singing the words in English. It was pretty awesome. Cool. Wow. Yeah. 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 Well, travel being you know one of the hobbies that we can't do. Um, I'm here in Istanbul uh, for you know a medical thing with my dad, and getting to travel for the first time in you know, what feels like four or five months when, when someone that travels often, um, you know, it's a big part of what I do. I've created a business like this to be able to work digitally, be able to travel around the world, learn new things. Um, I, I hope it lifts soon and, and you can get back to traveling and maybe one of these days I'll have you show me around Japan. It's been on my bucket list for a long, long time. 
Um, yeah, I have let's a coordinate me, meeting up over there. Yeah, I would, love to, I would love to. And the more I, w- I work with US brands and companies and stuff, I, I need to go on a big road trip around the US as well. Maybe ship my camper van over there and. Uh... <laughs> that would be, that would be incredible. Like, you know, there's something about COVID right now. Um, you know, I'm trying to change my thinking a little bit and just think about all the places in the US that um, I have yet to go as someone that's been here a long time. I still have yet to go a lot of places and, um, you know, you can, you could be on a road trip for a very long time seeing, you know, 50, the 50 States, uh, and everything in them. So if you ship that camper van over, um, make sure you, you make your way through Kansas city. Yeah, will do. Nice one. Well, John, it's been nice having you on. I've loved talking uh, Amazon Japan. And once again, thank you to uh, our sponsor, Full Scale, um, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. They really are fantastic. Been using them myself a long time. If you have development needs, um, hit them up. I know Matt will take great care of you. John, thanks for having you on the show. Thank you. Cheers. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.